Welcome to the Ferris Love Podcast, where we share spiritual and practical ideas for how to live family life with a beautiful, self-sacrificing love. Today, we are joined by Dr. Amber Curtis from Solutions for Simplicity, and she will be speaking to us um, about how to create schedules in the new year and how to stick with them. Amber, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I am so honored to be here. Great. And we're so excited to have you. Um, So you are a productivity goals coach. um, And I just am curious how can you share your story about how that came to be and um, how you kind of found this um, role? Doesn't God always have such a more perfect plan and journey for us than we ever imagined for ourselves? I will try and keep this condensed, but I have to start way back. I actually did not grow up Catholic, but came into the church through RCIA in 2006 and got married shortly thereafter and always wanted to be a wife and a mother. And for whatever reason, the kid thing wasn't happening broke my husband's and my heart. So plan B was for me to go to graduate school, earn my PhD. And after that, I was offered a very wonderful job as a tenure track professor across the country. And one week after signing my contract, I found out I was pregnant. We will never know what changed other than God's perfect will. But being the ambitious, naive you know, dreamer that I was, I thought no big deal. So we continued to move across the country, left our entire network, family, friends. My son was born in just a couple months after we moved. And I, because of my commitment, started teaching just two weeks after he was born. And I think anyone looking back could see that that was not the best idea, but I didn't know what I didn't know. And within a few months, I literally went crazy. I I got suicidal because I was tired. I was so sleep deprived. I was so stressed about trying to keep up with my work demands. I had no one, you know, other than my sweet husband to turn to for help. And it was so different than how things had always been for me. I had always been able to, you know, basically do anything I'd set my mind to. So I went through a whole identity crisis of how do you balance everything that you are trying to do. And I also should mention that for financial reasons, we were dependent on my income. So as much as I wanted to be a stay-at-home mother, that was not our situation. Mm -hmm. And so thankfully, my husband, my mother, other wonderful people helped me. And we, over time, just found a lot of ways that we could make it work. There are a lot of moments where it's not very pretty, Mm -hmm. but feel so blessed. And I realized I could apply my academic research skills to see what is scientifically shown to help us keep up with it all without burning out. And those things have made such a difference for me. We went on to have three kids in four years and then four kids in eight years. And I did earn tenure. I'm still a full-time professor by day, but I love sharing everything I have learned, not just the hard way, but also through my academic research with other women who are striving to keep faith and family first, but not lose sight of themselves, which I really did. Mm-hmm. That's that's beautiful. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Um, yeah, I, I think that you have a solid point there, like with women can tend to, you know, 
get caught up in everything. And that's beautiful that you have that experience to, to help guide um, women. So we're really happy to have you. And um, so we're, we're looking into, you know, this new year and um, with that, you know, with that knowledge of how to manage well and how to take your time. And, and I mean, it sounds like you still, you can still do everything and you say, you know, it's messy and all that stuff, but, but how do you, where do you start with, you know, making these goals um, as the new year approaches, we, we're looking into like, how do, how do, how do families make goals? So how do you, how would you suggest like families approach this new year um, and yeah, making goals? It's such a great question. I am all about helping women lead a simpler, more purposeful and productive life. And that requires knowing your priorities. So step one is always to you know, sit down with your husband. And I love to bring my kids into this now too, and talk about our family values and our family vision. And it changes all of the time as new curveballs are thrown our way, as our family has grown and expanded, as we've lost loved ones. I mean, life just continues on. And so I think having goals is so important to orient everyone around a common mission. But the biggest tip I would offer is to be clear then on if, if you know your priorities and you're, you have a vision, then be very clear on what you are not going to do, what you are going to set aside either temporarily for this coming year or for part of the year in order to focus on what you want to do more. And that's very different for every family. For instance, some families really love hospitality and want to have people over all of the time or love to go out and go to all the different events that might be in their town or or come up. Some people really want just quiet family time. Some want to pray the rosary every night as a family. And so whatever your goals are, whatever your vision is, you want everyone to know what they're working towards and then really plan it in. Make it a non-negotiable so that you are scheduling it on the calendar. But again, be very clear about what else you're going to say no to in order to keep the yes to what matters most for you. Wow. I've never heard that before, actually. That's really that's really cool to, you know, prioritize yes, your yeses, but then also thinking about those no's. I think sometimes we can get caught up in all the things that we have to do. And I think that's really powerful to to really say, okay, actually we can't do this now, you know, and that's not to say never, right? Like, <laughs> and this is what I really learned the hard way. I wanted to do it all. Mm-hmm. And as silly as it sounds, I felt like I could before I had kids, but then everything changed and for the better, because I wanted more time and more freedom to be a family and to keep faith as the the center of our family. And so it was really hard for me to then say no to people with beautiful requests or to opportunities that otherwise I would have loved to take advantage of. But Yeah, you know, I learned the hard way that saying yes to everything meant things fell behind. I couldn't keep my commitments or I really burned out in the process. And then I was no good to anybody. So um, as counterintuitive as it sounds, Mm -hmm. it's setting priorities and then putting boundaries around them that leads to the greatest freedom and flexibility and fulfillment. 
That's beautiful. Oh, that's great. Um, so you've talked about kind of knowing your vision as a family. Um, how would you recommend families kind of approach that idea of scheduling approach the, like, where would you begin? Like there's a, there's so many places you can start. How would you go about scheduling as a family? I love getting down dirty practical because (laughs) yeah, it all sounds so great in theory, right? It sounds great in theory to do it all. It sounds great in theory to set boundaries and say no, but how do you do this? It's so helpful for families to have a set planning and weekly meeting, basically, whether this is just the the husband and wife and my husband and I, we're very imperfect at this, but when we are able to do it, it makes a huge difference. We do go on a, a little date or take even just some time after the kids have gone to bed to be able to talk without interruption, get on the same page about who has what coming up and then have a a shared calendar of some sort where we can write everything down and see what's going on. We personally do this in two forms where we have a shared, uh, you know, digital calendar, Gmail through our phone, and then we add things and add alarms or reminders for those things that both people can see, even if it's just one person who has an appointment, but especially if it is for kids activities or school things. And then we also have a huge you know, maybe two foot, three foot whiteboard mm-hmm. that every month I write our, our different activities on. And I love to color code it. I'm, I'm <laughs> such a planner nerd. So I love to color code it by person. But visually, then we just walk by. It's right in our entryway. And we walk by. We see what everyone has coming up. We can see the days that are more open. And then we can see the days that we know ahead of time are going to be a bit or have the potential to be a bit more stressful. But then constant communication is the key because you make these plans and you've got to keep the plans, but everything is going to come up in between. So one final very practical tip that I have learned the hard way is to keep as much blank space as possible in your plans to really add what I call cushion days. And this is a challenge if both people work as my husband and I do, or again, with all the opportunities and kids school activities and things that come up. But to the extent that you can have at least one day a week where you are not scheduling anything in and you leave that day open for rest, for whatever sounds wonderful in the moment to perhaps catch up on things that got derailed and you're feeling behind on, or at a minimum, you are just committing to keeping that space for where God wants you to be in that moment, instead of constantly going, 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 pouring yourself and your time out to everything else. You've got to have a day to recharge. That's great. And and I'm curious how you said you have that big um, calendar up on your wall so that your kids can see it too. How does that affect them? Like how has your scheduling with your husband and then those family meetings and how have you seen that be beneficial for them as well as, you know, you as parents? Well, my kids are still relatively young. My oldest just turned 10. And so 
they look at the calendar, they can get a sense of some things, but for the most part, the way it's benefited them is in helping my husband and I have so much more peace and communication about what's going on. Because prior to that, we did have a lot of times where he would schedule something or have an intended uh, activity he wanted to do. And I was thinking of doing something else, whether that was individually or as a family, but we had a fair amount of conflict trying to hash things out over time and figure out how best to communicate our individual needs, our family's uh, schedule and so forth. And this system has really just helped us in a lot of ways. But more than that, it's the underlying communication. That's where the essence of our our improvement came from. Again, far from perfect, but so much better now than it's ever been. And it's a skill. It's something that takes time to learn. If I could throw it in here, I know a lot of women, right? We are so just committed to caring for our families. And we take on so much and forget, I think, to communicate the areas where we might need help. Or again, we think ahead of time we can do it all, but sometimes we're not feeling well. Sometimes something else comes up and we need to be able to ask for help and share our needs as well as have time for ourselves so that we can re-energize our, our proverbial cup, right? We've got to be pouring into ourselves so that we can pour back out to those we love and again, these are just all things I've really learned the hard way. But I mean, you see, so you know what you're talking about. I think you're, these are all really beautiful um, examples of how we can do that. Um, I know you've mentioned um, on your website and just kind of using your PhD, using your um, research to provide solutions for these ideas of scheduling, of building, you know, habits and goals. Um, what are some science-backed solutions for creating schedules and sticking to them? I think that's, you know, that's the key is we can create schedules, but how would you suggest sticking to them? You hit the nail on the head. And again, I, I was always someone who planned, but it was only until after having kids that things didn't really go according to plan. That's where our faith always comes in and reminds us that no matter how we're feeling, no matter how things seem on the outside, God is working through them. And, and we just need to trust and relax. But for recovering perfectionists like me and, and everyone who likes to control things, it's a challenge. There are so many studies that underscore the benefits of goals, of habits, of routine, and yet... I got so frustrated because so many of those tips did not seem to apply to life with young children. Mm. You know, it sounds great for mothers, say, to get up at 5 a.m. and prioritize their workouts or their journaling time, or wouldn't we love to start our day with prayer, as we should. But so often I was finding that the earlier I woke up, then my kids would just wake up earlier too. It's like they have this sixth sense or something, or it's really hard to do that when you're getting woken up every couple hours throughout the night to nurse a child or something. And so I love my mission is to take everything I've read and learned through the science and adapt it for different seasons of family life. The best tips I have found are to really be clear on the ultimate objective and then kind of backwards induce 
the action steps and the daily habits that it will take to get there. Mm -hmm. The science is very clear that the simpler we can make these habits, the more routine they will become, the more likely we will be to stick with them and then they will become automatic. Mm -hmm. The science is also very clear that decision fatigue is a real thing. Um, That's a very fancy term, simply meaning that the more decisions we make, the more your brain gets overloaded and exhausted and runs out of cognitive energy to do simple things like, you know, really be present and focused with your children. So the more we can eliminate the same kinds of decisions by having a meal plan, having a a more capsule wardrobe so that you're not even deciding from so many different outfits every day, the more you can simplify cleaning schedules so that you are doing set house chores on set days. It all just becomes more second nature. And again, the, the, the real success lies in the inputs, the the efforts you put in, in terms of your daily habits and intentions. We all have these lofty goals. We all envision our family life a certain way, but those don't come out of thin air. And when you're exhausted, when there's so much going on, it feels like you, you don't have time to meal plan. You don't have time to make a dinner. You don't have time to fold the laundry, right? But we are setting ourselves up for success by scheduling in or at least carving out a time of the day in the week for each of those habits so that then our brain doesn't have to think about them as much. We just know this is what gets done at a certain time. And then we can slowly add on to that so that when you are, say, folding clothes, you can also be adding in time for personal development, listening to a podcast, or get your kids more involved and you'll have more patience to help teach them these kinds of life skills because you're not as overloaded by all of the to-do list items that are running or were running through your mind. Right. Wow. Yeah. And that's, that's incredible to think of just simplifying. I know that's, that's the name of your whole, you know, thing is solutions for simplicity. And, and, um, there are so many things that go on in our day. Um, especially as, as mothers, um, you have a lot to focus on. So I, that's, that's pretty powerful to to think about, okay, how can you simplify? Um, but I, one more thing. First, I have a, a background in psychology and, and some of the neuroscience research. I, I'm, I actually study political science, but I do political psychology. And I've taken so much of the psychology and neuroscience research to apply it then to this realm of home life and goals and productivity. What is amazing, what the science really shows is that our brains are basically designed to keep us stressed and overwhelmed. And so it, it, it really shouldn't be a surprise when we find ourselves freaking out, as many of us do. And so the, the other big science-backed skill that I love to help people with, especially in my coaching, is reminding them that your brain is always just trying to protect you. And so its job is to scan the environment for danger and keep you on alert so that you are are not uh, going to you know get eaten by that saber-toothed tiger. It's a very <laughs> long-standing thing that 
that your brain just naturally does subconsciously. But in our modern world, the threats we have are not usually life threatening and yet almost more overwhelming because they are so constant. We are always bombarded by media, by news, by, again, new opportunities and demands. And it's just, it's our lives are busier than ever. So your brain just doesn't know how to take in all that information without feeling completely overwhelmed. And I want women to know that that is very normal. That's a, it's again, a, a physical normal reaction to, to what's going on around you. And yet we can separate those feelings from the actual uh, steps we take to calm ourselves down and remind ourselves that it doesn't have to be so crazy. So there's, there's really a mix of the practical tips and then the mindset and, uh, I know I'm jumping a bit all over the place, but that's where prayer can always ground us so much. And as busy moms, prayer feels impossible, but even a simple, you know, Hail Mary or a chaplet of divine mercy instead of the entire rosary, you know, so many little things. And and I'm, I'm such a fan of just conversational prayer with God throughout the day too, praying for what you need, thanking him for the challenges in front of you, because you know, he's helping you grow in virtue and in love. Mm-hmm. Um, so keeping it all in perspective and just knowing that that as overwhelmed as you feel, there is a real mm-hmm. uh, psychological, physiological reason for that. You're, there's nothing wrong with you, but you can turn to God and help calm yourself down. And then from that place of calm, you can strategize about how to improve your situation, build in the habits and set yourself up for a more peaceful future. Yeah. And that's like so comforting to know that it is, a, it's, it's actually a psychological response, not so much that everything is coming. I mean, yes, that's true, but also that's how your body responds. I think to, to know, to separate those two and to know that you can control it or, or manage it is, is really comforting. Um, yeah, and, it's a muscle yeah. on over time. Yeah. And how would you, I mean, how would you recommend then? So knowing, knowing that goes on in your brain and then, you're, let's say you have your family and you've, you started off strong in this new year and you've made your schedules and you're sticking to it, but then something comes up and your schedule gets all out of, you know, sorts. And how do you like help? How do you manage that disappointment, you know, without just throwing in the towel and giving up? Haven't we all been there? We, we love to set goals and resolutions And oftentimes it's less about um, falling off track than it is life coming up and and changing things so that you you get off schedule or you, you lose motivation or you're just genuinely unable to do what you know you could do in other times. I love differentiating between capability, which is what you are able to do, and capacity, which is what you actually have the physical time and energy and brain power to do in the season of life that you are in. So this is constantly fluctuating. I know that for many of my clients and and personally, it's so easy to feel like a failure based on the results of any one day, week, month, or even season. And yet when we extend our time horizon and we look back over certainly a year or, or longer, 
we're amazed at how much we have gotten done and how the puzzle pieces really did fall into place. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage women to keep that in mind from the beginning, that their their future is not going to follow their plan. It's not going to look like what they are envisioning, but it's going to be better. And they need to have a plan, right? Because if we don't know what we're aspiring towards, we're we're never going to get there. Mm-hmm. And then just be, be very kind to yourself so that when you get thrown off track, you hurry and get back up as quickly as possible without judgment, without that perception of failure, because there is no such thing. And really build accountability in. We all have different styles of habits. And many of us, myself included, are most motivated when others are depending on us. It's kind of amazing. I, 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 I see this so often in mothers. We will do so little for ourselves, but we will do almost anything, everything for our children or for, for those we love. And we need to have something that is holding our feet to the fire because we are not good at doing that ourselves for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big proponent of having a buddy, a coach, an accountability group, or just knowing other women uh, that are in your similar season of life, maybe even outside your season of life so that they can help give you that broader perspective and remind you that this is common. It's going to be okay. But one way or another, people that you're checking in with, and in fact, that has been shown to dramatically increase the, the chances of succeeding in whatever your goal is. It's it's so helpful to publicly declare your goal. That boosts your chances of success. But then you are almost guaranteed to reach your goal if you have a very um, you know, helpful accountability system built in from the start. Doesn't have to cost money, but think about it ahead of time. Who's going to check in with you? Who are you going to report to? How are you going to measure and evaluate your progress? What obstacles can you anticipate ahead of time? How can you try and, and bolster against those things from happening or mitigate the damage if they do occur? And then just get back up, keep going and have people cheering you on every step of the way. Yes. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And the encouragement is very like, I love that accountability thing. You know, yeah, that's true. We, we can get caught up in doing it for ourselves and, and it, it does help with having someone to, you know, to support you. Um, and so could you maybe as we're, you know, in the new year, um, how can like families envision their lives in let's say 2025, um, if they begin 2024 with an emphasis on scheduling, an emphasis on goals, you know, and, and, you know, trying to be productive and, and working towards that, what, what could they, what could you tell them that would be like a nice outcome in 2025? It's again about what you're seeking, right? And without wanting to put words in people's mouths, I see so often what we really want is just peace. We want to know that we are where we're meant to be and that we matter. So this is what's possible for every family when they figure out their priorities, really solidify their values, and then take these small, simple action steps 
to building routines and habits that will get them there if they just keep putting one foot in front of the other with inevitable setbacks, right? But, you know, they're, they're going to find that they recover faster from the curveballs, from the times that they get thrown off track, from those moments of stress. They're going to be better equipped to recognize ahead of time the moments where stress is very likely to occur. They can have tools in their pocket for how they're going to manage their stress or what they need to let go of because it's no longer fitting for them given their other circumstances and commitments. And then it should bring every family closer because we see and feel pressure to do all the things, but your family gets to decide what's right for you. And again, back to the beginning, that means knowing what is right for you and saying no to things that aren't without feeling bad about it. And um, you don't need anyone else to approve. It's, it's discerning what God wants for you and your family. And then you taking the steps to follow where he's calling you. That's, that's great. Um, thank you. And do you have any final thoughts, any final, maybe, you know, um, suggestions or things for moms, for dads, for anyone, um, who really desires to, you know, live well and live in God's plan of, and just, um, to, to take advantage of these tools that you've already provided? Oh, I have so many, of course. So where to start? I could talk about this forever. And again, I'm so honored to have this opportunity to share these things with you and your audience. I do love, as my kids are getting older, to bring them into the process and be very open as well about when I am stressed or what my husband and I are you know, not in great detail, but when we're having stressful work moments or going through other things, we want to explain to our children so that they know that it's all going to be okay. But there is a reason why things might feel different or tense from time to time. We really talk a lot in our family about prioritizing rest and trying to make sure that we are having those down days and and getting quiet time, keeping the Sabbath, of course. Uh, So I just think that Kids are never too or too young to to start learning the beauty of listening for God's will and setting goals and intentions in accordance with those. Building in daily habits, of course, we love chore charts and and so forth in my household. Um, and I also to help people prioritize. I do have a free resource, if I may share it with your audience. It's my Pinpoint Your Priorities Playbook that walks you through how to take all of your million tasks and figure out exactly which ones are most important. And you should therefore prioritize giving your best time and energy to them. So that's accessible on my website. One final thing that I do want to mention is that I, again, compiled all this research and I know that the term simplicity is most often associated with minimalism and having fewer things, which I I concur is very admirable and and helpful because science really does show that our brains get overloaded by seeing a ton of stuff. Mm -hmm. So simplifying in that sense is of course beneficial. But I realized that that is incomplete and I love to help people extend their understanding of simplicity to also include buying less, right? Mm-hmm. Which kind of goes hand in hand with having less, mm-hmm. but then 
doing less because you have to create time and space in your life for the peace. You're not going to have peace if you are over scheduled. And then finally, the fourth piece of simplicity for me is about caring less, caring less about what other people think, because every family is unique and God has his own beautiful design for you that is going to look very different from other families. Um, Caring less about how well you get every single task done. This has been a game changer for me because as a recovering perfectionist, I used to think everything had to be done to 110% of my ability. And in reality, there are so many things that really don't matter. And so if we can find those places to cut corners and that's not to do them poorly, but just to, to again, like hurry up and get them done. Good is good enough. Then we free up our, our, our time and space for our priorities. Mm-hmm. So four uh, pillars of simplicity, I call them. Yes, it's about having less. Yes, it's about buying less. But it's really about doing less mm-hmm. and then caring less. Mm-hmm. Um, and just acknowledging that some days are crazy. But just because they are crazy doesn't mean you have to be. God is there. He is love and peace. Mm-hmm. And it all really does work out. That's, that's great. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all of your insights and your wisdom. Um, we've had such a great time having you on the show, Amber. Thank you again. Um, thank you for listening to this podcast episode of the Ferris Love Podcast. In 2024, we want to reach as many people as possible. You can help by sharing this episode with a friend, subscribing to the podcast, or leaving a review. To learn more, visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org.